Welcome back. That was the Dreadful Tick of Time, an original uh, composition by myself. Uh, written October of either 2011 or 2012, I cannot remember, but it's one of the pieces that I've been inspired to write by uh, through watching several horror films and really sort of digging into the atmosphere of horror and really starting to appreciate deeper uh, some of what horror is capable of and uh, as an art form. And The Shining is a big part of that, the Kubrick film, which I mentioned in the uh, last section. Uh, and with that, we will go ahead and... Uh, we will go ahead and discuss... Um, my favorite, my favorite all-time horror films. And uh, it's a pretty diverse list. Uh, and um, we'll, we'll just go random, we'll actually just go in order of when they were uh, watched this month. I'll, you know, sometimes the order changes, sometimes it, it just depends on the amount of time I have to watch some of them. Um, the first one I watched this month is usually the one that I first watch every October as far as my top 10. And it's actually my second favorite horror movie of all time. It's Jacques Tenor's Cat People from 1940s, uh, produced by Val Luton, part of that great uh, series of uh, supernatural thrillers. And it's, it's, one, it's a film that I wouldn't have necessarily heard from about otherwise, except for uh, Martin Scorsese's amazing documentary on personal, a personal journey with Martin Scorsese through American movies. Uh, it's one of the more important films he talks about in that film, in that documentary. And it's something that the, the sensuality, the uh, disquieting atmosphere of be, behind the film is something that has resonated with me a lot over the years. And it's something that continues to draw me in, and it's something that holds me throughout all of the uh, 72 minutes of that film. And it is, it really has become my second favorite horror film. I uh, leapfrogged uh, my previous number two, which I'll get to a bit later. Um, but it's, it, Honestly, anything in that top five from two to five is basically on the same level. Uh, so next, the, the next top ten movie I watched this year for my horror was the F.W. Murnau classic, silent classic Nosferatu, which I would say is probably my sixth favorite horror movie, I believe. Um, doesn't quite get into the top ten. Or, no, it actually be my fifth favorite horror film. Um, yeah, 
it, it's definitely my top five. And uh, it's, it's just a beautiful movie to watch. It's just really a wonderful film to watch and really enjoyable to uh, experience what Murnau was able to create. And silent horror is always some of the best horror. And uh, it really is. And it's Nosferatu, though, stands out as singularly unique, especially in its uh, depiction of the Dracula story. Uh, the uh, it's unauthorized uh, depiction of the Dracula story, but it's arguably the best. Um, next up is uh, Horror of Dracula, another Dracula adaptation. This is the first one from uh, Hammer Films from the 1950s. It's Terrence Fisher's film with the great Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing, and uh, it's. It's a very it's a very different movie in terms of tone, in terms of style as Nosferatu. It's in basically a complete 180 from that film, but it's equally compelling as an adaptation of the Dracula story, of Bram Stoker's Dracula. And uh, Christopher Lee does a fantastic job as uh, this more theatrical embodiment of Dracula. And Peter Cushing is just wonderful as uh, Professor Van Helsing. And uh, it's, it's, always, uh, it's always fun to watch those two sort of back-to-back -back when I'm doing my top ten because of the fact that... And that one is probably number six on my list, two Dracula movies back-to-back. -back, uh, because I just... I love the theatricality of the Hammer production. It's just wonderful. Next is uh, my number 10 choice, and it's actually two films. It is the original Friday 13th from 1980 and, the, and Friday 13th Part 2 from 1981. The reason these two are together is because I feel like they complement one another, and they, they're the ones that... It's basically one long movie setting up the remainder of the Friday 13th franchise. Because in the original, spoiler alert, uh, it is not Jason, but his mother doing the uh, killing uh, as revenge for her son being, her son drowning at the negligence of uh, camp counselors. But in part two is when we first start to see Jason killing. But he does not have his famous hockey mask yet. So that is, that is why those two movies are uh, put together in uh, my top ten. I always watch them back to back just because that's, that's how I look at them. And, so, and it's funny because of the fact that when the uh, remake uh, came out in 2009, it felt like basically a combination of the first and second one. The, the first film basically is condensed to like the first 10 minutes, and then the rest of the film is the start of Jason's reign of terror. So uh, that would be my number 10 choice. Next up is number seven, and it is another slasher film. It's the original slasher film in Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. There's not much more I can say other than the fact that it's just an absolutely astounding movie. It's perfect in pretty much every way. Anthony, Lee, Anthony uh, Perkins, uh, Janet Lee, everybody in the film is just wonderful. Uh, there, 
there was nobody like Hitchcock, and he just did superlative work on what is basically a B movie, but bringing the level of artistry he would bring to a Rear Window or North by Northwest. So, number seven is Psycho. Number eight is James Wan's The Conjuring, and uh, I I have seen The Conjuring too, and I I really do enjoy Conjuring too, but I I kind of have to put The Conjuring by itself, just because that film, it's probably my favorite possession thriller, uh, possession drama of the uh, of all time, other than probably The Exorcist, and it's one that I feel is, along with The Exorcist, it's sort of in a class by itself. Uh, the Conjuring 2 is very much a horror sequel, albeit a very good horror sequel. Uh, you could debate whether uh, that or The rain, uh, the Witch are uh, the best horror features uh, this, this year. I'm not quite sure. Both of them are pretty good, though. So The Conjuring is number eight on my list. Number four is uh, Roger Corman's Mask of the Red Death, which we, like the hammer horror of Dracula, is very theatrical and it's very, uh, it's very uh, broad and theatrical and <coughs> is horror in a traditional gothic uh, mode of thinking. And Roger Corman just does a beautiful job bringing the Edgar Allan Poe story to life, along with Vincent Price as uh, Prince Prospero, who uh, is the one hosting the mask of the title as the Red Death is sweeping through Europe. So number four for me is the Mask of the Red Death. Number nine is The Ring, the 2002 Gore Verbinski uh, adaptation of Ring You with, Na with uh, Naomi Watts. And this has been a favorite horror film of mine since pretty much the first moment I saw it. It was just an absolutely terrific film. It's still an absolutely terrific film. It's probably, it's, it's, I would almost say it's the uh, top shelf of what American horror is capable of. Um, that we've seen in the past 15, 20 years. <coughs> uh, other than The Conjuring, I don't know if anything else, and maybe Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell, but honestly, like, The Ring just feels a step above all of those, and I really felt like improved on Ring You, um, which not necessary, not all remakes do. So that's an, it's already in rarefied uh, aired there. Number three, and my longtime number two, was Sam Raimi's Evil Dead 2, which is basically a remake of the original Evil Dead, but from a very comedic standpoint, very dark humor standpoint, and it's the reason that I absolutely love it. How I just love how whacked out the sense of humor in... Uh, Evil Dead 2 is. I actually did see the original Evil Dead uh, this year as part of my movie week collection for uh, the month of October. And I 
always forget how good that one is because the second one is so much more in my mind and it's very obviously a uh, classic whereas the first one is more of a straight horror and it's a really good movie but I always forget how good it is and Bruce Campbell is just absolutely the man when it comes to uh, the character of Ash especially in Evil Dead 2 which set up Army of Darkness so that brings us to the number one, and as pretty much everybody who reads Sonic Cinema and knows me knows, my number one horror film of all time is Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. It is a masterpiece in every sense of the word. I know Stephen King fans, fans of the book, have many complaints, many perfectly reasonable complaints, uh, when it comes to what Kubrick did to the film, but to the book. But the fact of the matter is, it's a truly singular work of horror cinema, and there's nothing quite like it. I would argue that The Shining uh, was probably responsible for the evolution of supernatural horror because of the way that really seems to influence uh, Japanese horror, at least what I've seen when it comes to the Juan and Ringyu and what have you. And uh, there's no way like Jack Nicholson as Jack Torrance. Yes, he, you know he's going to go off the rails, but you know it's going to be entertaining as hell when he does it. And Stanley Kubrick's uh, artistry is just beyond reproach. His use of music, his use of sound, his use of images, and his use of spatial cinematography is absolutely unlike anything else that even he ever did in that movie. And it's, it's something that I always watch that on Halloween. I always try to save The Shining for Halloween. It's easier some months than it is others, but I always try to save shining for Halloween. It's painful, but is absolutely worth it because I know I'm getting an absolutely amazing film. And the surprising thing is, as intense as it is, there's only one on-screen death in that entire film. <laughs> and that is astonishing <laughs> that Stanley Kubrick could make a horror movie, be completely uncompromising when it comes to tone, when it comes to atmosphere, and yet, there is only one on-screen death, and it's Dick Halloran's. And it's abs just the way his camera moves in that film, not just the use of the Steadicam, but just in general, just the way he, he creates a vast, haunting, arguably the most haunting uh, atmosphere in any horror movie ever in that film is is absolutely amazing. And so that's that's my top 10 right there. Those are my top 10 films. Friday 13th, part one and two at 10, The Ring at number nine, The Conjuring at number eight, Psycho at number seven, Horror of Dracula at number six, Nosferatu at number five, The Mask of the Red Death at four, Evil Dead 2 at three, Cat People at two, and The Shining at number one. A uh, very diverse group. Um, 
and uh, we'll be back, and we'll uh, wrap it up. We'll talk about some of the older films that I talked about, as well as uh, some of my uh, favorites uh, when we when we return after this uh, this peace of mind.
Thank you very much for joining us, uh, for keeping up with us. And that piece was entitled Darkness. It was written in 2006, October of 2006. And uh, that, as well as Otherworldly March and two other pieces that I've written over the years in October, are uh, part of my uh, album from 2013, Storytelling, which is now available online at iTunes as well as other places. And uh, all of my pieces, I am uh, looking to compile all my pieces for a, uh, an album called The Cold Wind of Horror, uh, which will probably not be released until next October. So hopefully uh, look, look up that um, next October. It's the cold, it'll be The Cold Wind of Horror, and it'll basically have all of the pieces I've written over uh, Octobers over the past... 14, and possibly 15 years, if there are any more. So I'm going to wrap this up for a little bit, and I'm going to wrap this up now, and uh, just go through uh, some of the other films I watched over the past month or so, Uh, starting with a uh, short film I had the chance to watch a few years ago. It's an absolutely wonderful short horror film. It's called Familiar. And uh, it's, it's about a uh, husband and father who we get his internal monologue and we can tell he's not happy in his life. And uh, he tolerates his wife and his daughter, but you feel like there's something not quite right about him. And uh, it's only throughout the rest of the 23 minutes that we really find out what exactly is going on with him. It's called Familiar. I know it's available on iTunes. Uh, it's also probably available elsewhere, but it's really good. The, the guys who made a Fatal Pictures had another short that they just released earlier this year. It's called Air. It's also very good. I think I still prefer uh, Familiar more but both of them are quite good. And I hope to have some uh, inter- an interview, uh, a written interview 
with uh, some of the people with fatal pictures uh, in the next couple months. So hopefully, uh, so be on the lookout for that, and uh, you'll get to hear from uh, some of the filmmakers between uh, for Familiar and Air. Next up was the Blair Witch Project, which I really wanted to watch because the uh, reboot uh, came out in September. I really enjoyed the reboot. I thought it was much. I thought it was a worthy successor to the original Blair Witch Project, and I, even though it's easy to crap on the original Blair Witch Project because there's a lot that can be made fun of with that, but the fact of the matter is, it's still a really effective. Uh, scary movie, and it's that is one of my that was one of my favorite experiences watching that for the first time. It was the Monday after it opened limited release, so it hadn't quite become the juggernaut that it became. And but the theater was packed, and I sat five rows from the front watching the Blair Witch Project, and it was just I really loved it. It's one of my favorite movie going experiences. Uh, next up is the uh, silent film Haxen, uh, about witchcraft through the ages. Uh, it's a Danish silent film, and it's it's a weird fusion of documentary and horror that is really it, it's impossible to forget the more you've seen it. In a way, I almost there's a part of me that prefers it over Nosferatu. Because of the the juxtaposition between uh, genres as terms of documentary versus horror, but at the same time, I mean, Nosferatu is easily one of the most striking pieces of horror films. But Haxen is definitely up there. I that's one of those films I saw for the first time. It might have been that first year in two thousand three that I did this and. Uh, it was it was uh, quite entertaining um, and quite interesting. Next up is William Friedkin's The Exorcist. There's not much to say beyond that. It's uh, is <coughs> one of the granddaddies of uh, of possession thrillers, along with Rosemary's Baby, and it still holds up astonishingly well today. Uh, next up is was Scott Derrickson's Sinister, which has a particular uh, place in my heart because uh, my wife Meredith and I actually watched it uh, a couple weeks after it came out in 2012 and what basically became our first date. Or we weren't officially dating at the time, but that was just us getting together and it basically led us down the path to where now we are now married. So... Uh, Sinister, although it's always, it's also a really good film. It's one of my, uh, it's probably one of my favorite Blumhouse uh, productions of late, uh, Sinister. The sequel, not so much, but definitely the original. Next up was uh, Bubba Hotep with uh, Bruce Campbell as the aging king in the retirement home. And it's just such a fun, quirky horror film. I cannot say enough about how much I enjoy it. Next up is uh, Stephen King's It, which is getting uh, remade for for cinemas this year, uh, for next year. And um, I always really like the TV movie. It's really, is a well-done story. Yes, it's still very much a 
mini TV miniseries in a lot of ways, but it's a really effective horror story and character-driven story as well. And uh, I can only hope they uh, do it justice. Next up is The Grudge, another uh, Japanese horror remake. This one with Sarah Michelle Gellar. Uh, I, I've always really enjoyed it. I enjoyed, the, enjoyed it in theaters, and I still enjoy watching it. It's not just because it's another example of Sarah Michelle Gellar kicking button horror films. Uh, it's, it's just like The Ring. It really uh, captures the essence of uh, what Japanese horror does but it doesn't, while being respectful of it and not quite Americanizing it to the extent that we see in something like The Forest. Uh, next up is Creepshow, the George Romero uh, Stephen King anthology, which has always been one of my favorite things to watch. Uh, next, next after that is the silent film Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which is with Haxon and Nosferatu, the uh, third of that uh, triumvirate of great horror silent films. And then uh, Drew Goddard's Cabin in the Woods, which, is, which was done as a response to the rise of torture porn and just basically is one of the most fun uh, examples of horror and humor coming together that I've ever seen. Uh, which is a credit to the way Drew Goddard and Joss Whedon came up with that story. Uh, the Conjuring 2 I mentioned earlier when I talked about The Conjuring. Uh, another one that I watched this year was uh, Dark Exorcism, uh, better, known as, better known for me as In the Dark. Uh, I, you'll recall last month I talked to uh, David Spaltrow, the writer-director of the film. It's a film I had gotten a chance to review. It's been available for the past month or so, <clears throat> and if you haven't watched it yet, I highly recommend it. It's a really great possession thriller, and watching it again this month really brought that home to me. Next up is uh, Peter Jackson's The Frighteners, which I hadn't seen the director's cut yet, which is amazing because I've had for a few years, but and I've loved the Frighteners since I saw it 20 years ago, but I never seen the director's cut. It's good. I, it, it's, but it's just a fun movie. It's just a really great movie. And so, uh, the Frighteners, I definitely made a point of seeing. Next was uh, the next two are movies from uh, Val Luton's productions. The first one is Curse of the Cat People, which is the sequel to Cat People. It's an interesting uh, continuation of the story in a uh, melodramatic slash supernatural uh, way that you would expect a 40s follow-up to be. Um, it's not quite as good as the original Cat People, but it's actually, it's actually pretty entertaining to watch. And then uh, for my movie week, one of my movie weeks this year was uh, Isle of the Dead with Boris Karloff. And uh, it's it's a it's a good supernatural story. Um, it's about people trapped on an island with forces that they don't quite understand. And it's 
and a uh, general played by Karloff who is going mad with power. And it's a good movie. It's an entertaining movie. I always, I really enjoy that Val Luton, uh, the Val Luton productions that are some of my favorite movies to watch. I try to get at least two or three in over the years and every month in addition to uh, Cat People. And so Isle of the Dead was one of the ones that I watched last year. Next up was another uh, Stephen King uh, anthology from the 80s, Cat's Eye, with James Woods and uh, Drew Barrymore, which is always fun. It was on Netflix. Uh, next up after that was Igmar Bergman's Hour of the Wolf, uh, which is very gothic, it's very horror, and it really... One of the things I like about horror, one of the things that has really resonated with me over the years about horror is as a way of confronting <coughs> a way of confronting fears and anxieties that we don't necessarily understand. And uh, Bergman's film does that quite well. And so uh, and it's something that's been very personal for me over the years to watch and for that very reason it's and one of the pieces that you'll find on storytelling is actually called The Hour of the Wolf, and it was inspired by the film. Uh, it's a very interesting uh, musical take on it. You can listen to it at, uh, on the storytelling album. Next up, I actually watched this after Evil Dead 2. It's another 80s horror sequel. It's Friday 13th Part 6, Jason Lives, which is... I like with, uh, oh, I can't remember which one was I. It's a very 80s movie. Oh, Shocker was the other one that I felt like was a very 80s movie. Friday, Jason Lives is completely 80s and really cheesy, but it's also really entertaining. And it's so ridiculous to watch, but it's just fun to watch. Um... And then next was uh, Adam Wingert's uh, Your Next, which is more of a thriller, but is also a pretty scary movie about a family under siege, a wealthy family under siege. And uh, a, somebody I knew from uh, high school and went, was in band with, A.J. Bowen, is one of the co-stars of it. And uh, he's done several films over the years of watch and own A Horrible Way to Die is one, The Signal is the other one. I didn't get to The Signal this year, unfortunately. Maybe I'll get to that next year. But uh, Your Next is a really good one to get into. And then the, uh, and then I, like I mentioned earlier, uh, The Witch was one of the movies I watched today in addition to The Shining. And that is probably the best horror feature I've seen this year. Uh, it looks at it. It looks at uh, religion and uh, faith and the the ways that was such a powerful force in the 17th century and uh, the way people literally believed in witchcraft and demonic possession uh, and the the way faith was intended to shield them from from that it's it's one of the more fascinating horror films of 
the past few years. And it's really just uh and and it's it's really just uh a movie that you really should experience and I really recommend it. Um so that's it. Uh you know, I didn't quite get into the genre as much as I would like, but I wanted to at least uh share sort of what I uh <coughs> What I had uh, watched in the past month or so, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you listen, enjoyed listening to the pieces that I had to offer as well. And uh, thank you very much. And we've got some more, uh, we've got some more filmmaker interviews I want to do before the end of the year, in addition to uh, a, a year-end summary, which uh, should be relatively uh, full because of the fact that. Um, I'm actually up to about 80-some-odd movies I've seen so, so far this year. I'm catching up relatively well. But uh, so that's, that's about it for me right now. And thank you very much for listening at www.sonic-cinema.com. This is uh, Brian Scuttle. And until next time, thank you very much. Bye. <laughs>